the whipping toms were men who would prey on oh, on buses. They'd mm. prey on buses. <laughs> more beer i'm like trying to finish this bottle before i start cannonball this wine make me make me happy make me funny <laughs> otherwise i'll just get to the point where i'm sad and i'll just start crying and then and then, you'll, and then you'll be just doing the episode and i'll just be like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really funny that's very funny Philippa. here's my witty retort <laughs> i don't think wine brings out the happy good emotions well, it's red, red wine. I'm drinking red wine. Red rum, red rum. And also, I got this like, okay, so Lee, my alcoholic friend, you know Lee, is he's also your alcoholic acquaintance. <laughs> and he was like, if you get, look, there's this like 120 pound crate of wine, but f- half price, so you get for 60. So I was like, hell yeah. And they come with these stemless wine tumblers and so i just feel very regal also i bought a wine rack because i've always wanted a wine rack so now it's like well now i actually have wine i can get a wine rack so it's nice but i feel incredibly regal because red wine is the wine you need to drink if you're the king and now i'm just like (laughs) swirling it around while i'm deciding who who i'm going to give a duchy to who i'm going to execute let me sip my wine a little bit Execute all of them, yes. Put them in the frying pan. Mm. I just stash my bottle of wine, my bottles of wines, my bottle of wines. It's been some beer. Why can't we talk? This is what podcasting is. (laughs) I just stash them in my bookshelf. I like your bookshelf. It's got wine in it. It's great. Like, I was like, oh, that's a shit (laughs) bookshelf. Is that wine in there? Oh my God, that's a dope bookshelf. Is that a ham sandwich? Even better. <laughs> God. Wait, is there a small bed in there? Oh my God, this is the best bookshelf in the, in the entire universe. So, yeah, I've got a wine rack. I've got a billion wine. I am minus one rabbit. And so my heart is dying and my soul is dead and there's no joy left in the universe. And you're feeding it with alcohol. I'm feeding it with alcohol. I've got loads of wine. So I bought the wine first. Then my dear sweet Pudge, who I love dearly, died very suddenly very tragic so i'm if i'm a little everyone's like me jess seems a little low energy or incredibly drunk that's why (laughs) (laughs) but i bought the wine before the before pudge passed away so i'm like that was really good timing me thank you (laughs) at least in my case beer brings out the penis jokes and we love a penis joke that basically is our podcast Me shrieking, penis jokes, bad puns. Everything's awful forever? Everything is awful forever. Penis jokes, bad puns, and shrieking. I was going to try and do a burp there, but it's not coming naturally. <laughs> Leave that to the professional. I'm Philippa Evans, and I'm trying real hard. I'm Jessica Byrne, and I'm not trying anymore because my soul is dead. This is the upbeat episode. <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> It'll get funny. I'll get drunk and then we'll get funny. I might have a small cry in the middle, but depending on how it goes, Philippa might edit that out, so you don't have to know. I was going to say, the small cry is basically the workhouse, so... Wine. Regal. Red wine. Which is hard to say. So when you host a podcast called Everything is Awful Forever, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to know when to add a content warning. Yeah. 
for the most part, I try to think about how much the issue I'm talking about might currently affect the audience listening to it. Uh, yeah, if it's something a bit too close to home, like fires, mm. if there's a current wildfire or something, yeah. You know, cannibalism, it's gross, but if you're listening to a pod called Everything's Awful Forever and click on an episode that says it's about cannibalism, well, mm. to quote Reddit's play stupid games great recipes for your slow cooker i don't know <laughs> but in this case this episode does come with a content warning because its subject is men who sexually attack women ah, which is mm. not a subject lost to the mists of time unfortunately actually researching the things that i'm going to talk about in this episode modern examples kept popping up oh, i don't like it no no Initially, I was going to do this episode on Jack the Ripper, and there definitely is a Jack the Ripper episode in the works, but along the way I ended up picking up a few weird stories that I really wanted to talk about, and I still have like 7,000 books <laughs> left on the Whitechapel cases that I have to read, because apparently Jack the Ripper is something that you devote your life to, mm -hmm. so welcome to my 2am TED discussion on men who couldn't leave women's bottoms while they're left alone. <laughs> Except that this isn't TED or 2am, it's just how the world appears to me at all times. Those are my favourite episodes where, like, mine is gonna kind of like that, where you want to do this thing, but as you're reading, you just kind of go down a spiral into other stuff and have to do something that's kind of tangentially adjacent to it and, you, mm -hmm. and then yeah I, I do love when that happens that was a word salad but you know what i mean you start writing the introduction to your jack the ripper episode and then you're like oh well that's 15 pages about something that isn't jack the ripper i guess we'll just talk about this now okay yeah. slap in a workhouse and a conclusion go learn me things Whee! my first charming subject is actually two men who lived in or near london both of whom became known as whipping tom ah! <laughs> you're like ah! i'm like they operated roughly 30 years apart, one becoming infamous in 1681 and the other in 1712, but they had a similar MO. In brief, the Whipping Toms were men who would prey on lone women, spanking them before running away. <laughs> in the case of the first Whipping Tom, he would sometimes yell, Spanko! <laughs> I, d I don't know how to say that really, I'm like, Spanko! It sounds like a wizard smell. Spanko! And then you run away. <laughs> And I've got to say that, like, writing the notes, I didn't know how to discuss these men or phrase how I was going to put things, because when you first hear about Whipping Tom, you kind of go, what? Spanking men? Oh. It sounds like something that would happen in Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> but when you think about what was going on, his victims weren't being spanked. Banked, they were being beaten by these men. Mm. I feel like everywhere I read it, people kept writing about it as if it was this big joke and being like, yeah. Spanko! And I was like, ha ha ha, Spanko! And then going, oh, but he was using a rod often <gasps> instead of his oh, hand. Oh shit! Oh my god! It's often talked about as if it's like this, you know, pervy sexual kind of funny thing, which even if it was just pervy sexual, it would be traumatic for the women who were being spanked. Mm. But yeah, a number of the women who were assaulted by him were actually badly injured. Oh my god! And I mean, yelling spanko is ridiculous in a chilling way. It's like Jack the Ripper yelling boy yo 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 as he... <laughs> 
<laughs> delated his victims. <laughs> I couldn't find very much on the first Whipping Tom, aside from a broadside published in 1681, titled Whipping Tom Brought to Light and Exposed to View, an account of several late adventures of the pretended whipping spirit, giving a full relation of several maids, widows and wives, etc., that have been by him used in a most barbarous and shameful manner in and about the city of London within six weeks last past. <gasps> I don't know how they fit that headline in. I mean, when they say broadsheet, they meant that you kind of had to like unfurl it as if you're doing a <laughs> the fish was this big type gesture and read it like that. Here's a small extract from it. There having been of late much discourse in the city in relation to Whipping Tom, a name so much dreaded by the female sex, his being abroad again, of whose late exploits for the better satisfaction of such as are inquisitive and desirous to be informed, and for the benefits of such husbands as are troubled with gadding wives. We shall give this following account of the places that he usually frequents and haunts. Know then, that according to common fame, he is of the generation of that whipping Tom that about nine years since proved such an enemy to the milk wenches' bums, and often... <laughs> Quenches Pops! That's a really good band name. <laughs> and oftentimes occasioned the country dames to hire a guard for the security of their posteriors, <laughs> whose name so overawed Joanne and Sis that they durst not stir out after candlelight to meet their sweethearts, for fear of having an alarum beaten upon their tobies, and that he, being tired with this country exercise, and not all brooking to take up his lodgings in woods and barns, nor to turn up any longer, tails draged at least a quarter of a yard deep, I don't know what they're going on about here, he has thought it expedient to exercise his tyranny over the backsides of the cleanly tight city ladies. I, tight? Tight. And for some weeks past has lurked about in alleys and courts in Fleet Street, Chancery Lane, Shoe Lane, Fetter Lane, the Strand, Holborn, and other places. And other places. And Fuck other it. places. I don't know. Somewhere. You do. Unimportant it. places, etc. And at unawares seizes upon such as he can conveniently light on, and turning them up as nimble as an eel makes their butt ends cry spanko. And then, according <sighs> to the report of those who have felt the weight of his paws, vanished. For you must know that having left the country, he has not the advantage of getting rods, and therefore is obliged to use his hands instead thereof. Wow. You see, I feel like the person who wrote that, undoubtedly a man because women weren't allowed to do things, they, they, they sounded like they were kind of giggling the entire time. <laughs> like These women are like, no, someone assaulted me with a hard stick, and they were like... <laughs> And they, he flitted up and like flicked their little cute bodies. This is silly and whimsical. He spanked their little cheeks till they were red and yelled, Spanko! And then she was like, Oh dear! And then he flitted away again. All oh, is all very funny and very arousing as well. <laughs> And in the reports, it's very much implied that there were definitely women who stalked the streets hoping to be made to yell out Spanko. So, of you know, course. they really wanted it. I, I did that the other day. I was walking around and I basically was just like only wearing a shirt just to kind of like enhance my <laughs> nakedity from down below and then like i dropped a pen and was like whoops and like bent down to pick it up basically kind of doing like a downward dog you know ass in the air situation and no one spanked me and i was like what the fuck what do i have to do here bend and snap <laughs> 
you just think that someone would do it. You just, th- you just think that someone would do it, you know? Not be a fucking coward and just go for it. Jesus, what's the world coming to? Just make a girl feel special is all I'm saying. Yeah. It's a compliment. It's a it's compliment, though. It's a compliment. The name of Whipping Tom is not entirely un- unknown. There seems to have been one operating in... Ooh, I wrote 1972, but I mean 1672. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Holy but shit. nothing known is about this mysterious original Whipping Tom. As for this one, judging from the narrative that follows, Whipping Tom appeared to women as a tall man dressed in black. Ooh. Once he'd finished assaulting them, he disappeared so quickly that it must have been magic because no one could catch him. <laughs> Not that anyone didn't try. London didn't have much in the way of a constabulary, and so citizens took it into their own hands. Women armed themselves with scissors, penknives, and small daggers. Holy shit, yes. Whereas the men, well, a number of male vigilantes to catch Whipping Tom decided that the best thing to do would be to put on their wives' corsets and dresses and (gasps) swan about pretending to be defenseless ladies. Okay, right. I love that. That's just someone who's like, finally, oh my god, I get to be a fucking drag queen. And he's like got the full makeup on and everything and, and all that. And his drag name is going to be Better Midler. And he swans around and everyone's like, are you sure you, you want to? And he's like, yes, it's for the... Uh, looks at his hand. The women. Yes, I wrote it down. It's to protect some. It's to protect bums or something. I'm gonna go protect a bum right now. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Bye. Just this hairy-chested man looking at a pretty dress, thinking, "Hmm, this better not awaken anything in me." <laughs> so these white knights were not successful. Oh dear. Of course I they mean, weren't because they what? just wanted to be drag queens because that's fabulous. As the papers at the time reported. Yet he, Whipping Tom, is so cunning that he will not venture upon these men, but passes them by, which is one main reason that induces the lasses to believe he is a spirit. No. I'm like, "Mm, yes, cunning. I'm also kind of picturing these drag queen men as the, when the characters in Mulan get in drag, and so they're just like very obviously dirty, gross, hairy men. (laughs) doing their downward dog picking up that pen like whoops a daisy <laughs> be a man you must be swift as the cars oh i mean be a woman be a woman be a woman, be a woman. woman. Wrong, wrong one wrong one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i don't know what to, to what extent said male vigilantes tried to pass this woman and I, I do believe that a bonnet and corset can hide a multitude of sins. But I've been to a number of Rocky Horror parties, and I can say with some confidence that the average Chad cannot pull off fishnets and heels with class. It takes skill. Listen, there's maybe they've been studying for years. Maybe he's just real fishy, you know? Again, like, <laughs> if I was to be a drag queen, better Midler, I already said, but my other drag name would maybe be Jenny Tullwarts. You don't know. I mean, maybe they just were really good at it. <laughs> Watch RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> it's really good. I love it. Shut up. You're wrong. Still, I like to imagine gruff 17th century blacksmiths in cumbersome dresses yes. having to experience life as women, getting their yes. asses slapped in pubs only to be followed by an awkward moment of recognition. And then, <laughs> William, is that you? <laughs> George, it's been four months since Whipping Tom last attacked. 
Oh, can't be too careful. <laughs> Might you never be a second know. wave. <laughs> <laughs> George, now just take the course off. No, I can't. I physically can't. My bones have melded into it now. That's how bad corsets are. This whipping Tom came to my attention when I was looking into Jack the Ripper, because although he wasn't fussy about which women he assaulted, he was a terror among sex workers. I'm sorry, I do have to say that I got really excited that you said witch women, because I was like, <laughs> oh, those witches! Oh, wait, no, no, never mind. Oh, no. he wasn't fussy about witch women. <laughs> As the news report sympathetically and tactfully puts it, with not a hint of enjoyment or victim blaming at all. Mm -hmm. And further, it is said that he, like death, spares neither old nor young. For some nights since, scouting about Whetstone's Park, met with an old piece of mortality, or haggler in human flesh. Oh. Who, taking him to be a well-timbered gentleman. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's got a big penis. Well-tempered, I love <laughs> Would needs be inviting him to her house. But she had scarce made him a curtsy ere he turned up the unwieldy mass of kitchen stuff and by his hard collapse made her sing to the tune of lacrime. Jesus. Another time, as we are informed, he, meeting with a demure rack or miss of the town, who came to accost him, he so swinged her tail that tis thought she will not be capable of her trade for some considerable time. <gasps> oh. <laughs> These and many other pranks, as we are credibly informed, has been his late exercise to the great terror of the female sex insomuch that a great number dare not stir abroad after the shops are shut up. Listen, if women didn't want to get their butts smacked, why don't they just wear <laughs> spiky underwear, okay? Like, if you don't wear underwear that's basically like a piece of armor that has spikes all over it, then you just fucking you for a Jess, I'll be speaking about spiky underwear and the like. Oh my god, I'm psychic and a genius. This is amazing. That's naturally what you do when these things happen. So it's, uh, it's kind of like, not to bring it real, but like those kind of, because rape is such a big problem in certain parts of the world that they have kind of like these like spike tooth things mm -hmm. that they'll put up their vagina to, so that if a, if a, like a man sexually assaults and rapes them, then it'll like tear up his penis. And that's just, it's so fucking awful that it has to come to that glad we live in a world that requires this. Yeah. Whipping Tom was known as the Cracks Terror. Crack being another <laughs> word for sex worker, of course. Because of oh, course. Of course. So like I said, he came to my attention because when I was reading about Jack the Ripper, who was said to target sex workers, Whipping Tom came up. Although Jack the Ripper targeting sex workers is doubtful, but we'll get to that in a different episode. I'm excited. Both Whipping Tom and Jack the Ripper also became associated with supernatural beings in their ability to escape any attempts to catch them. And we'll never know if the first Whipping Tom was ever caught. Mm. A haberdasher from Holborn was brought to trial along with an accomplice, but there's no notes on what happened and we'll never know how it ended. Haberdasher is a very good word as well. Haberdasher. 69. This sounds vaguely sexual in my mind. Just like, <laughs> you want to, you know, haberdasher a little bit? So when they found a haberdasher, they were like, naturally guilty. Mm -hmm. As for the second whipping Tom, about three decades later in 1712, he struck again. No. 
between the 10th of October and the 1st of December in that year, another man, whose real name was Thomas Wallace, began to approach solitary women and beat them with a birch rod. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. That's a good prank. John Ashton's Social Life in the Reign of Queen Anne, Volume 2, which is a bit of a mouthful, provides the news reports, although I couldn't see what paper it was from. The report describes him as a wicked villain who got hold of unprotected females when crossing the unfrequented fields near Hackney and administered a fearful thrashing to them with a great rod of birch that the blood ran down their tender bodies in a sad and dreadful manner. Oh my god! So this news report, I guess, was a little bit less <laughs> spanko and a little more <laughs> horrific beatings. When he was caught, Thomas Wallace admitted to having probably beaten about 70 women in this way. Whoa, what the fuck? And he'd intended to bring his number up to 100 by Christmas. Oh my god. He was careful to state, though, that he was going to take time off over the 12 days of Christmas because, you know, some things are sacred. Yeah. And then he'd begin his whipping work again after that. Oh, well, you refresh for the new year, you know? It's like, you know, you got to get up to 100 and then for the new year, your resolution is like, well, maybe this year I've got to do 200, you know? <laughs> Goals. So no piece of shit, cowardly pistain of a human beats another human being without their own wrong reasons. Thomas Wallace's is that he beat women for the sake of one perjured female who had been barbarously false to him. She'd lied. <sighs> oh, okay, fucking Ted Bundy. All right, calm down. Oh, women are such liars. They are. Wearing makeup, which is false advertisement, by the way, saying that they have a boyfriend when you try to ask them out, saying that they yeah. only want to be friends when really they just want to use you to talk about their feelings and watch Ooh. movies together and hang out just like friends because they're whores! <laughs> Get off R slash neckbeard. Anyway, who knows? Maybe a woman did tell a very nasty lie that hurt him. Women do be like that sometimes. Mm. Women be do. <laughs> Wallace further said at his trial that unless women be whipped out of their wicked pride and baseness, <laughs> mankind will become women slaves. <laughs> it wasn't just because one woman lied to him. He had his reasons. Of course, and they make sense. And <laughs> it's, it's like that incel that killed a bunch of people. It's, it, it makes sense. Everything is women's fault, is what I'm saying, you know? When filtered through the grimy prison of their stupid brains, yes, it does make sense. Reasons. Yes, that's right. Lucy Inglis also mentions one report that stated that Mary Sutton, the milkmaid of Hackney, which I think that's a good name, also yeah. deposed that when the prisoner whipped her backside in a ditch near shoulder of mutton fields, English names don't make sense. To prevent her crying out, he stuffed his handkerchief into her mouth and would have thrust something else into another place had not the watchman <gasps> come happily to her assistance. Oh my god! So he wasn't just a spanky pervert, although that in itself minimizes the harm that he caused. He was yeah. already a rapist, or would have become one, and his sentence was that given to rapists. Death by hanging. I thought you were going to say nothing because, you know, <laughs> I mean. It was a better time, Jess. <laughs> it was a better time, yeah. But it would ruin his swimming career, though. Oh, but he's such an illustrious sports boy. And why ruin <laughs> a whole man's career for half an hour of action? Although the readings that I 
went through couldn't really agree on his on his sentence. I trust the more scholarly one of hanging, but mm. some people suggested that his punishment was to be whipped on a weekly basis by two women in Bridewell Prison for 12 months. That would have been great. <laughs> like, I, w- I want him to be in, like, the stocks, just, like, <laughs> ass out, so anybody could just come by and be like, and then, like, go, go on that day. It's better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> and after those 12 months, he would have to, quote-unquote, run the gauntlet between 200 maids, wives, and widows in Cheapside. Yeah. I find it unlikely, but believe whichever one seems more satisfying to you. He's dead. He doesn't care. And he got spanked a lot, hopefully. (laughs) But while we're on the subject of bottoms, I think that we should take this opportunity to visit Rock Bottom, also Mm -hmm. known as The Workhouse. Let's go. If you got your spiky underwear on, otherwise it's a little bit touch and go. If you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, the orphans are on the lookout for sexual predators. They're all dressed up as fancy ladies. They're ready to attack at a moment's notice, just like fancy ladies. They look wonderful. I mean, Harry, your eyeliner is on fleek. Good job, Harry. On fleek. Your mug is Beat, beat to the gods, you look snatched. I trust your slang to be up to date. <laughs> the house down, Philippa, the house down. <laughs> I don't understand a word. But while we're all getting gussied up, I think we have some time for a little rumor mongering. Wonderful. I mean, if we're all drag queens, that's the whole that's their whole steers, you know? And we're women. Natural liars. Oh yeah, that's right. Do tell. Spank me, Daddy. I'm being dishonest. <laughs> so, have you heard of Misty Dulovich? Oh. Her name is famous among the Toshas of the Hampstead Sewers. You'll remember that Jess did an episode on awful Victorian jobs, and Toshas used to dig in the sewers for money and trinkets. As said in the episode, it was a dangerous job. (laughs) What with the rats and gas and, you know, sewage tidal waves. But it was particularly dangerous to the Toshas of Hampstead. You see, they believed that vicious wild hogs roamed the sewers. As Mayhew observes in London Labour and the London Poor, the story runs that a sow in young by some accident got down the sewer through an opening and, wandering away from the spot, littered and reared her offspring in the drain, feeding on the offal and garbage washed into it continually. Here, it is alleged, this breed multiplied exceedingly and have become almost as ferocious as they are numerous. Ah! Out of all the animals that I expected to be roaming the London sewers, wild boar weren't one of them, but... Ah. I love the phrase, in young, as well. That's quite good. (laughs) But what Mayhew doesn't mention is the name of a particularly young Tasha, Misty Dulovich, who disappeared one day while looking for trinkets in the sewers with her mates. They always believed that she'd been taken by rats. Until Uh one day, years later, they heard the familiar grunts of the hog herd echoing in the sewers, mixed in with the hunting cries of their lost comrade. I don't know what it sounded like. I choose to believe it's something like, ah you, you may have your own hunting cries, but that's mine. 
Some Tashas even say that they've seen her, riding through the sewers with her pack, and it's become a custom among the Hampstead Tashas to leave small gifts for the Hug Huntress of Hampstead. I love it very much. Now, is she riding on the biggest one, you know, as one would astride a horse, or is it a kind of like dog sled situation, <laughs> you know, Radagast the Brown with, a, with his buns kind of chariot sort of thing? I think it's more of a an egalitarian thing and whichever hug of the day chooses to bear her is is All the right, lucky yeah. hug for the day or is my favorite thing as well is like strap one to each foot and then ride them around <laughs> like rollerblades that's what we do after dark in edinburgh yes <laughs> <laughs> but our cries blend in with the scottish pub crawlers of the night <laughs> Ah, oh, you bastard! And that's what it is. <laughs> or just... <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Shit. Too real. Too factual. So thank you, Misty, for leaving us a few trinkets and becoming our patron. And if any of our listeners want us to ruin their reputations, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash awful forever podcast. You can also see how our current patrons met their awful ends at awfulforever.com. So the orphans are ready to stalk the streets. If they apply any more foundation, they're going to look gauche. So I think we need to go. Uh, yes. Uh, their faces are basically just... I can't think of a thing. Edit that out. Yes, we're ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, now that we're back on the streets, there's one more criminal that we need to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. And that is the London Monster. Oh my god, no! It's going on! It started in 1788. <gasps> on a night just like this one. <laughs> it was dark and stormy. <laughs> Speaking of which, Vani the Vampire, read by us flawlessly on Oh my Patreon. god, it's so good. Vani the Vampire, Patreon, if you skip the workhouse <laughs> one, surprise, we've got extra shit folded into the thing. Vani the Vampire, read by We're us. We're still shilling. <laughs> Character's probably a horse. There's a lot of talk about bay windows. It's great. <laughs> so it started on a dark and stormy night in 1788, probably. Reports started coming in of a man who would stop women at night usually wealthier women from the West End, yell obscenities at them and then stab them in the buttocks, tearing through their dresses. And I couldn't find many reports of what he would yell, but it was typically charming things that one would expect of a man assaulting you, like, oi, bitch, I'm going to drown you in your blood. I was going to say, like, stabbo! (laughs) Stabbo! (laughs) Other women mentioned a man who would stop them, ask them to smell a nosegay, which was kind of like a small posy of flowers, and then stab them in the face with a spike that was hidden among the flowers. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean... Yeah. Okay. That's what a rational, absolutely fine person does. Yeah. Others still would say that the monster had spikes fastened to his knees and that he'd kick them from behind using his knee spikes. Why Why is he so covered in spikes like some sort of hideous porcupine <laughs> monster? Personally, I'm not sure of how much of this I believe okay. because you would imagine it would be difficult to escape <laughs> with like spikes on your knees running through the London crowd. Rattling away as you go, yeah. <laughs> Kicking people in your path. (laughs) 
Like Whipping Tom, the man would escape before anyone could apprehend him, and the fact that he attacked under cover of darkness made it difficult to identify him. He was always recognizable for his filthy language, <laughs> but people couldn't even agree as to whether he was tall or short, let alone his hair color, his complexion, his dress. It varied from person to person. Oh, hmm. Some people thought that he was a rich nobleman, a master of disguise, a fucking Batman supervillain <gasps> using various masks and fake mustaches to hide his identity. Oh my lord. And they believed that the police were protecting him due to his wealth. What? Others thought that there was more than one monster, or that perhaps it was pickpockets slashing the dresses for purses. Oh, okay, yeah. Which, you know, in entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. Like Whipping Tom and Jack the Ripper, others thought that he was a supernatural fiend. Within the two years that he was active, more than 50 women had been attacked, and this kind of hysteria rose around the figure of the London monster. Women would apparently wear pots under their dresses huh. or copper petticoats, which is where the whole spiked underwear comes in. <laughs> or they would order like this cork padding kind of butt protect. You know, like when you're playing paintball. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like shoving Lego plates up your clothes just to like <laughs> minimize the damage. I think there's a term for it. I think it's called armor. <laughs> I mean, fine if you want to use the sensical term. <laughs> but I love that they were just like, someone's using like a butt bump it kind of thing in there, you know, and it's like, oh, it's for, the, you know, my protection. And like Maisie's walking down the streets going clank, clank, clank. <laughs> What's that? Oh, just, just your entire drawer of pants. Okay, cool. Go, on you go, Maisie. <laughs> Hilariously horrific posters were also put up about town, and you have to look at them. It's very scary monsters spanking the bottoms of women. And they all warned that the monster was on the prowl, fanning the flames of panic. Of course, because the monster was said to prey on beautiful women, mm. a fair few ladies faked having been attacked in order to win sympathy. <laughs> And increase their reputation for being so fair and lovely that, of course, they had been attacked. It's a compliment. Oh, no. Fan, 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 fan. Poor Mildred, she goes out. She's like, oh, I hope it's our picking at the pen. Oh, whoops. And then nothing happens. And it's like, oh, no. I've been avoiding it my <laughs> whole life, but I'm ugly. <laughs> Maybe those who really sucked at pretending they had tuberculosis. Uh, Although I guess that came a little bit later. They were like, oh, I'm so sick and attacked by the London monster. Too good for this world. I'm so frail. Please protect me. Meanwhile, a group of not all men founded a club called the No Monster Club. Oh, and they wore no. pins on their lapels to prove that they were not the monster. Oh my god. I mean, the monster was probably the founder of that, you know? That makes sense. That's what I would do if I was doing a wrong thing. I'd form a club called Not the Wrong Thing. Listen, you know how every podcast is true crime? Well, I listen to all of them, and there's so many <laughs> where, like, the murderer is, like, looking for a what did you say? A, a body? Oh, I'll join in on that. I'm such a good citizen. I shall help out. Let's avoid over there that very dug up patch that looks like a body has been hidden there. I don't know anything about that. No, you know what I mean? But like, I'll join in on the hunt. Yes. Uh, blood on my hands? No, it's a... Uh, oh, what's a red thing that's not blood? Uh, jelly. jelly. Jam. It's jam. It's jam. <laughs> so not going over to that disturbed ground patch. 
on a hunt, jam on my hands. Let's go. I know nothing about corpses and everything about a good sandwich. <laughs> I just wonder how you like invite men into your No Monster Club. It's like, are you the monster? Uh, no. In, in, in with flying colors. Here's your pin. Put that on. I think maybe there's like a questionnaire. It's like, how do you feel about women's bottoms? And they're like, um, <laughs> I, I like them. Oh, do you? Yeah, but yeah, uh, respectfully from a distance. Okay, 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 right, right. <laughs> or it was it was secretly one of those gay clubs. Oh my god! Where be like, how do you feel about women's bottoms? I don't like. Them. I hate them. Ugh. Well, come on, <laughs> fuck wearing like a green scarf in your pockets or something. Yeah. Just join the No Monster yes, Club. I love it. So finally, on June thirteenth, seventeen ninety. A 23-year-old Welshman called, I know I practiced pronouncing this, Rennick Williams, it's not spelt that way, was arrested. Does it have 17 consonants in it? Does it have any vowels? No. (laughs) (laughs) At the time of his arrest, he was unemployed, but his life seems pretty tough. I mean, he was an apothecary's son, but he tried to make a living as a ballet dancer. He got fired from the theater because people suspected him of theft. And then when he was struggling to make ends meet, he at one time worked as a flower maker in a factory. I'm sorry, you know how we were just talking about gay and gay stereotypes? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. He boarded at a public house, often seedy places, where he shared a room with three other men. Oh my god! Because- <laughs> the gayest boy in all of the land. Because they had two beds between the four of them, obviously they slept two to a bed. It was the times. <laughs> That's how it was to be poor. But this fact was used against him, mm-hmm. because people thought that it completely explained his targeting of women. Right. So the... <laughs> No, go on. Yes. He'd been arrested when a previous victim called Anne Porter pointed him out. She'd been walking along with her boyfriend and she was like, that's the man. That's the man. And her boyfriend was like, so he stalked Rennick Williams to his house. And then I presume politely explained the situation. With his fists upon his face. But... Rennick was like, well, I'm I'm not the London monster, so why don't I come home with you and I can show your girlfriend? So he politely went along to the drawing room of Anne Porter, but upon seeing him, she and her three sisters fainted and <laughs> Rennick Williams was like, I appreciate that this looks bad. <laughs> so Have you considered that they fainted because I'm so devilishly good looking? No. Um, okay. Maybe their corsets were. No. Okay. You are you getting a knife? You're getting a knife, right? I should. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I feel really bad for poor old Reddick. Yeah. So he he ended up going to the uh, forgetting the name the Bow the Bow Street Runners, which was the London police force at the time, right. where Anne Porter held on to her belief that he was the London monster. She and her three sisters were positive that it was him, although other victims couldn't identify him in a lineup. So it was a bit like mm, some can, some can't, and others still were certain that it wasn't him. Also, Porter's original description of her attacker didn't match William's actual appearance. He also had seven alibi witnesses for another attack that had happened, 
But that didn't carry weight with anybody either. Oh my god, wow. What's interesting is that Williams wasn't charged with assault or attempted murder because those are common misdemeanors. <laughs> it's a small thing. It's really small. So he was accused, he was charged with defacing clothing. I mean, I, yes. Fair enough. Have you seen how much lace goes into a bodice? Listen, I like clothes a lot. Don't touch my fucking <laughs> lace. I'm getting upset. So under the bloody code, it defacing clothing carried the sentence of death. Oh my god. I love the bloody code. I love it so much. Whereas stabbing with an intent to kill was a common misdemeanor punishable by flogging or imprisonment. <laughs> the court realized that the public were hungry for blood. The London police force had really struggled to protect Williams from being lynched by the mob, so they went with the charges that carried the heaviest sentence. The trial at the Old Bailey also went badly. Williams pled that he was innocent, but he was poorly represented. One of his lawyers backed out at the last minute, possibly due to a bribe, and another one apologized to the female victims for having agreed to represent Williams. Wow. I mean... It doesn't make you look innocent. It doesn't make you look Fortunately for Williams, the judge, Sir Francis Buller, thought that the charges and trial all seemed like a little bit shady and this weird law that were charging him for, like, to death. And, uh. yeah. So... Williams was eventually granted a retrial, this time for a misdemeanor. And it didn't really go well for him either. He was given six years in Newgate Prison, and during that time, the attacks stopped and the hysteria died down, which, a little damning. That's very guilty looking, yes. But it also seems unlikely that Williams actually was the culprit, because in addition to his alibi and the fact that other victims gave very different descriptions of their attacker, there was also a £100 reward for turning in the monster. Oh, mmm. And Anne Porter and her boyfriend, John Coleman, who'd been the one to turn in Williams, may have been after the money. Mm -hmm. It's also true that the police were under attack from the public for their failure to catch the monster and <sighs> were in need of a scapegoat. That's, that's, that happens so too often where it's like people just want justice and they want it now mm -hmm. and so you just go oh it's them we did it we did it and i guess like it's not from any kind of like malice or like sloppiness but it is like you know the police force they want it to be solved so they want it to be like yes it is this thing and then like turn tunnel tunnel vision like narrow down onto this one person yeah and i think there was a little malice involved because there's evidence to show that they coached other monster victims to point out Williams as the attacker. Oh, wow. Holy shit. So who knows? Maybe they were covering up for rich lord. Oh my god, it goes straight to the top! It's difficult to say. There's so much muddy water. I mean, yeah. there was a pamphlet going around at the time that said that Anne Porter was a sex worker who was just in it for the money. And um, Williams's eventual lawyer, Theophilus Swift, attacked her character and bullied her in court. And it's just wow. like, uh, bad blood on all sides. Mm. So despite the hysteria, or perhaps because of it, it's not even absolutely certain that there was a London monster at all. Oh, fuck. There were definitely copycat attackers, but much like the Halifax slasher case in 1938, a number of so-called victims had faked their own injuries. Oh. And one woman even admitted in court that it had just been one of her little jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, is it to be like, look how beautiful I am. Oops, a man touched me on the bottom. <laughs> Incels are sitting at home right now listening to this episode going, I knew it. 
women are liars. <laughs> and I mean, of course, I think that in a world in which minorities are not listened to or taken seriously when they suffer violence, we should give them the benefit of a doubt listen to their story and question our biases if we're automatically dismissing them, especially because statistics are in their favor a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But to say that women or minorities in general can't lie or make things up is just another form of misogyny. Yeah. Mm. So it's a gray area, which is the thing that people hate. We hate nuance, we hate gray area, and we hate everything. <laughs> things have to be black and white, except that I can't see color and... <laughs> I'm mixing my metaphors. It's fine. either yes or it's no. I don't understand. I hate everything. And those are my bottom feeders. I love the bottom feeders. Very, 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 very good. <laughs> they were both great. Yes. As an aside, if the London monster did exist, his penchant for stabbing women in the bottom is a possible sign of a paraphilia called picarism. Okay. Which comes from the French picar, which means to prick. Okay. Or Picker, a prick, Adam. <laughs> With pickerism, the sufferer has a sexual interest in penetrating the skin of another person with a sharp object enough to cause damage. So it's a form of sadism, mm. usually the breasts, bottom, or groin. And Jack the Ripper's murders have been considered by some to show characteristics of pickerism as well. Right. And a number of women today are still attacked in ways that suggest the assailant has this kind of paraphilia. Like, I was reading one case that happened, I think, in the 2000s, where a woman was just entering her house, and a man came by and, like, stabbed her in the posterior with a sharp object. Oh, wow. Listen, I mean, the vampire porn, or, like, vampire erotica, is a billion-dollar industry. Teeth, <laughs> neck, stabbing. Mm. Gets me hearts. Which is why we read Vanity the Vampire. Yes, patreon.com, $5 a month, support <laughs> us a lot because my soul is dying, but also Vanity the Vampire is very good. Yes. So on the subject of paraphilias, some things are nice sometimes, but not <laughs> always because I know you've had a horrible week. I have had the worst week ever. It's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, some some people hear rabbit and they're like, oh, I don't give a shit. But it's like, it's because he's a house rabbit. I'd say it's a lot like a cat because they are very like that. They ha they are litter trained. They live in your house. Like I had guinea pigs that were in a hutch outside when I was a kid. And that was devastating as well. It, it, it always is whenever you lose a pet. But I think it's the more you have them in your life, the worse it is. Because mm. he was, yeah, he was such a huge part of my life i had him for like eight years now i'm fucking crying <laughs> but like yeah like it was the first pet that my partner and i bought together we moved into the house with him and he was just so wonderful and yeah i look into the room and it's like he should be there and you're not there and it's it's so painful but i mean that's just a part of it it's like i've been saying to people like when you have a hangover it's because when you've been drinking you borrow fun from the next day and that's why you feel so shit because you've had a hangover so when you have a pet mm. you love them mm. and then they're gone and it leaves a huge void but i wouldn't trade that in because shit as i feel now i've loved him for so long and that he's just been so wonderful 
I think that they make us better people. Yeah. Like, poorer people, but sadder <laughs> people. But Definitely poorer. But <laughs> yesterday as well, um, friends came over to have a barbecue to like, cheer me up, and they brought over flowers as well. And so uh, I've just been like, as I've been recording, looking at those flowers, and people have been so so caring and supportive like someone i came home one day and i had an amazon package i was like i hadn't ordered anything and they just bought me this like rabbit cuddly toy thing to cheer me up and so yeah because it is such a hard time to go through any kind of bereavement even if it is a pet they can devastate you because you it's something that Mm. you promise to take care of and love and then they go and it's it's so painful police they're like stop fucking crying on a podcast are you crying (laughs) they're like this isn't entertaining at all this isn't comedy you're not supposed to be human like the people that come to your aid and support you is i don't know the end of that sentence you know people love you and it's nice and you love your pets and give your pets a cuddle and also no i don't have an also that's my something sometimes <laughs> There's not even a happy follow-up to say. It's just very sad. It's very sad. Poor but, little guy. You know, it's it's a part of it, you know. Like you kind of enter this contract. It's like I'm gonna love you forever, but it's something that I think it's like it's not that they have short lives. It's just that we have incredibly long lives. And I know he did have a really good life. In fact, the day before he passed away, he spent like the entire day in my garden, just running around eating the strawberries and like being in <laughs> being in his favorite place, which is the strawberry patch. And so I know he had a great life and he was really loved and really spoiled. So we buried him and we we put him in we buried him in his favorite strawberry patch because he loved what he was he was black and he loved laying in the sun and just roasting himself like you'd often just like <laughs> see him stretched out in a sun puddle like i'm dying it's like yeah move out of there you idiot <laughs> roasting alive <laughs> but we put him in his favorite strawberry patch which gets a lot of sun and every morning i've been going out and like patting because we put like a stone over it we've got him a memorial stone and i go out and say good morning and then every night i go out as well and say good night i don't know for how long that's gonna happen but it's just kind of what i need to do at the moment so i'm doing that the pain eventually will go away but the love will remain 